Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to have you with us another Wednesday evening, reflecting into the life and thought of one Pope Francis. And as I do, for the most part, each and every Wednesday, I have Bob Cross with me. So, Bob, it is great to have you with me another Wednesday. It's always a pleasure, Joe. Thank you. So, Bob, uh, always uh, something to talk about when it comes to Pope Francis in the news. And uh, there are a number of pieces uh, I wanted to touch upon. Certainly, we are on the heels of the conclusion of the Synod on the Family and Note for evangelization, as we talked about the importance of. This is just not a Synod on the Family, but a Synod on the Family for the new evangelization. You know, one of the things that jumped out to me this past week was Pope Francis going to uh, the unveiling of the bust of Benedict XVI. Uh, and he had some, I thought, very important words. He said this, Benedict is great for the strength and penetrating quality of his intelligence, for his important contribution to theology, for his love for the church and for human beings, and for his virtue and religious character. Far from dissipating with the passage of time, Francis said, Benedict's spirit will seem ever greater and more powerful in each passing generation. That's a profound affirmation, I think, Bob. I love that last line, that his spirit will seem ever greater and more powerful in each passing generation. Uh, to speak to one's greatness is, is to speak in that tone. You know, it's almost as if he's projecting or predicting that maybe, you know, Benedict will become a doctor of the church someday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. and there's people who have mentioned that. That, yeah. you know, his writing and his, his insights to the faith and his role, you know, Vatican II and subsequently, that, that someday, you know, it, it could be St. Benedict the Sixteenth, the doctor of the church. Yeah, and as we've talked about in the past, I mean, if, if, if he had a charism, and he has many of them, uh, one of them certainly is his ability to speak and write so clearly about the faith. On Tuesday evenings, we have been spending quite a bit of time, Bob, on St. Augustine. And of course, Benedict uh, wrote his dissertation on St. Augustine. It was Benedict himself, Bob, that had noted, when you read me, uh, you read uh, St. Augustine, that my theology is in constant dialogue with St. Augustine. Uh, it has been noted by some that he could be uh, arguably uh, the greatest Augustinian theologian ever. <laughs> ever. Uh, that is a huge compliment. Wow. Yeah. And uh, if you are the greatest Augustinian theologian, certainly you have a special place. And you want to know what's exciting, Bob, is that he's praying and writing. Just as Augustine faded from the scene the last four years of his life, and he spent uh, those last four years in prayer and study of sacred scripture— I have wondered on this radio program if that was not absent from Benedict's mind uh, as he has now faded uh, from the, the, the scene here, as he now has entered into a more cloistered atmosphere, a more cloistered scene 
praying intensely and studying intensely. Uh, interesting, uh, worth noting. So yeah, I think that's an excellent point, Bob. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is uh, some words that Cardinal Pell offered us. Uh, Cardinal Pell is, is one of those uh, eight cardinals that Pope Francis selected to help reform the Curia. And uh, he had some important words as it relates to all of, of the fuss surrounding the Synod. He says, you know, we must remember that we still have a, a year to pray with and to reflect upon the final document, as he wanted to emphasize, the final document. And he said, so we can speculate, we can carry on, and we can do those things, but please speculate and, and have your conversations out from prayer. Pray first, pray for the cardinals, pray for those who will be praying with the document and working with the document over the course of, he was very specific to the next two months, Okay, because there's a number of meetings over the next two months, but also over the course of the next year. Remember, we now have a whole nother year before uh, they reconvene and talk the stuff in that final document. So Cardinal Pell says, hey, okay, you're going to have your conversations, and I know this is, this is what people are talking about, but pray. Pray for those involved. Boy, amen. I mean, with you know the last, I don't know how many weeks it's been now, because it started even before they even got together. All the speculation of what could be happening and, and how there might be this, this um, you know, these differences that would come out through this meeting of the cardinals and the bishops and the senate. And with everything that we've read and all the blogs, if everybody, anybody's been trying to keep up with it, it's, it's been overwhelming. It mm-hmm. really has. And so it's great for somebody like Cardinal Pell to say, God, take a breath, you know, mm-hmm. Pray for us. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, a, this, is, this is a church that's based and built on prayer and the Word of God. I mean, that's, that is, the, you know, the, the importance of what it is that we believe, that we, we dwell in the Word. The Word is God. The Word is flesh, the flesh of Jesus Christ. And that's where we need to go when we're looking at anything that's important, especially as important as, as uh, the new evangelization and how it relates to the family, what the family's, you know, role and mm-hmm. all of that really is. And that's what, you know, Pope Francis wanted to set, set up in the first place, is in, in light of the new evangelization, and we talk about it here in the Joy of the Gospel uh, each and every week, you know, let's talk about the family and how the family is that, that cell that is the beginning and the end of everything, really, mm-hmm. yep, as far yep. as society is concerned. Yep. <clears throat> let's, let's get together and let's talk about this. And mm-hmm. so, you know, there's going to be these opinions and all of this input from all around the world. And it's, it's great to hear and to think about, you know, how Cardinal Pell says, we just need to just, just pray first. Pray for us. Yeah, yeah, well said, Bob. One of the words that I've heard over this past week, maybe more so than I've heard in a long time, is um, nervous. Yeah. Joe, I'm nervous. And, and that, while it can uh, be a good thing in the end as far as getting us to pray more, um, the tendency in that nervousness is to speculate. The tendency in that nervousness is, is to start thinking about all of the what-ifs. So what if this happened or what if that happened? And it, and it doesn't necessarily free us to enter into that prayer that we do need to enter into. And so I've encouraged a lot of people that I've been speaking with to, uh, really in the spirit of what Cardinal Pell is saying, you know, let us not get so caught up in 
this anxiety and nervousness and preoccupation and just trust in God. Is this not the essence of the Sermon on the Mount? You know, Matthew 5, verses 25 to 38, his Sermon on Trust. Do not be anxious. Do not worry. Again, you translate that Greek, do not be preoccupied. Let those words resonate with us this evening, Bob. Do not be preoccupied with what you think you know, but come to understand the way in which the Holy Spirit has worked in and through time, especially as we talked about over the past few weeks in ecclesiology, when you start studying the church and the nature of the church. The Holy Spirit has always worked in the muck and the mire, and in the end, um, we always have beautiful documents. I mean, think about it, Bob. I mean, you can go all the way back to Acts 15 in the Council of Jerusalem. And from the Council of Jerusalem to the Council of Nicaea, that council that gives us the creed. And from the Council of Nicaea to, you know what, the Council of Trent. From the Council of Trent to the Second Vatican Council, you saw the same kind of thing. The Holy Spirit working uh, through uh, the messiness of some of these exchanges and ultimately uh, bringing us beautiful documents. Uh, You read those who were there, and uh, I tell you what, Bob, you would think that... uh, you know, <laughs> it was the it was the end of the church, based upon some of these um, biographical accounts of what was going on. I mean, there were some intense, intense debates. You go all the way back to the Council of Nicaea, and oh my gosh, what we've been hearing of the last three weeks pales in comparison. And so, what what we need to be reminded of is um, the Holy Spirit uh, wins out uh, if we call upon the Holy Spirit and. Uh, this is important. So we need to avoid that, you know, knee-jerk reaction, as we were talking about earlier, and um, so not react, but respond, and respond um, with heartfelt prayer. And uh, before you want to share what you think you know, be sure that you come to a deeper understanding of how God works in life the Church. Make no mistake about it, The media has created a frenzy that has led to confusion, and confusion is of the adversary. But you and I have talked about this a great deal, Bob. Check your resources, please. Now, I was in a conversation with just someone today. You know, their resource is the Washington Post. Their resource is the USA Today. Their resource is the New York Times. You know, really? Really? I mean, and maybe there's good articles out there in, in those reads. But like I've said, you go to the Vatican website itself, go to the primary resources. Uh, you know, we in, in research, we talk about primary resources and secondary resources. Let's go to the primary resources. Sure. And I think we have to just, again, be mindful of the fact that we see things in real time in today's world. You know, everything is happening right in front of us as it happens with, you know, all our, you know, media. And that we've become so political that we, we need to kind of keep our, some of our, political bending, the way the direction we go, you know, in, in kind of its own little compartment. That doesn't mean it doesn't affect the way we think of things spiritually or how we look at our faith, but we need to keep in mind that things become, if, when they become too political, too much right or wrong, left or right, whatever, conservative, mm-hmm. liberal, mm-hmm. that, you know, the church and the Holy Spirit is apolitical. It's non-political. You know, it's, it's really about the love and the spirit and the way that works. Yeah. And there's a challenge within all of this. And the challenge is, is to be humble for everyone. The challenge is to be humble, to say, okay, 
Um, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe what I think I know isn't the sum total of, of everything that's, that's out there. What's happening right now in the church is a challenge for all of us to be serious about our faith and to look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself. I'm going to, to seek guidance, seek spiritual direction, and to make sure I, I'm, I'm in good space with God. Uh, because the last thing we need to be doing here, Bob, is getting ahead of ourselves and within the church creating an un- unnecessary frenzy. As we talk about this, I cannot help but think of uh, the great passage from James 1.4, where Bob, James reminds us, patience perfects all things. We need to be patient and allow the Holy Spirit to work. Pray have those dialogues so that we might come to better understand the faith in and through this with the church documents, and be patient. Be patient. So, as it relates to what Pope Francis has to say, enjoy the gospel. We have some rich stuff to talk about here in this last subsection here in chapter 2, Bob, uh, titled, Other Ecclesial Challenges to Evangelization. And uh, so there's certainly in, in paragraphs 102, 103, and following a lot to to reflect upon, and uh, my sense of it is we'll probably be in this subsection for a few weeks, so I know if you want to get us going with paragraph 102. Sure. Other ecclesial challenges. Lay people are, put simply, the vast majority of the people of God. The minority ordained ministers are at their service. There's been a growing awareness of the identity and mission of the laity in the church, and we can count on many lay per- persons, although still not nearly enough, who have a deeply rooted sense of community and a great fidelity, fidelity to the tasks of charity, catechesis, and the celebration of the faith. At the same time, a clear awareness of this responsibility of the laity, grounded in their baptism and confirmation, does not appear in the same way in all places. In some cases, it is because lay persons have not been given the information needed to take on take on important um, responsibilities. Go ahead and stop you there for a second. I want to make a point on this, again, only because it's come up in conversation as it relates to, you know, formation. People have asked me, what does that mean, formation? And I think that's a great question. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, here, Bob, without responding to those good, simple questions. So what do we mean by formation? Well, let, let me first say this. Why does a math teacher go to school to study math? Why does a history teacher go to school to study history? Why does a lawyer go to school to study law or a doctor go to, to, to med school to, to study medicine? Or even, you know, uh, maybe you're into a trade. Why does a, why does a mechanic go to a mechanical school or a sheet metal worker go to school to learn how to be a sheet metal worker? Okay, why do we do these things? Because in going to the classroom or in going to uh, school to study these various disciplines and sciences, we are being formed in objective matter. Okay, and by objective, what do we intend to mean? Objective is what is external, public, revealed, known. In Christianity, there's something called objective truth. And we've talked about this a great deal, huh, Bob? Jesus Christ came to set up the objective moral standard. Not that Christianity is defined by morality, okay? Christianity is not just morality, right? Morality 
is our response to God out from our encounter. I want to be sure to make that clarification because sometimes we get lost in that. Uh, The point to be had here is, I have been asked, Joe, what's there to be formed in if it's just what you think? No, Christ came to reveal the objective moral standard. Christ came to reveal the deposit of faith. Christ came to reveal who he is so that out from our personal encounter, we might come to better know how to better serve him. Uh, it's, it really brings us back to faith and reason, right? We believe so as to better understand, and we understand so as to better believe. But it is in that objective piece where we do come to understand. And so being formed in objective truth is very important. And what we have in the Catholic Church, of course, is you know sacred scripture, sacred tradition, and we are called to study feverishly sacred scripture, understanding that sacred scripture is the soul of all theological pursuit, and in turn, sacred tradition. And we do this by studying the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, this wonderful gift that John Paul II has given us, one of the great earmarks of his pontificate. And, and when we study the Catechism, we're studying the key elements of our faith. Huh? What we profess when we profess our faith in the creed, uh, certainly the sacramental economy, uh, moral theology and life in Christ, as well as what prayer looks like. So these four areas of the creed, the sacramental economy, life in Christ, and prayer are the areas that the Church really calls us to be stewards uh, so as to better understand uh, what it means to be formed in Christ. And again, we're not being formed in something but someone, because when we study doctrine, doctrine always and everywhere is about the person of Jesus Christ and how that points to the life he shares in the Trinity. You know, this is one of my favorite paragraphs that we've we've covered thus far because you know there's so often we we run into or encounter people who have criticisms of of the church because of some encounter they had with a member of the clergy or maybe it was when they went to catholic school growing up and they they had a nun that hit them with rulers too hard on the you know on their hands um or any one of a number of other reasons why they have a problem with the catholic faith and i have to i've always felt People don't understand that it isn't about that priest or that nun or that encounter they had with somebody who's a member of the clergy that really is is what's at issue here. It's that they don't understand that the, the body of the church is us. It's you, it's me, it's every one of us who are the laity for the most part. Sure, the clergy have their role. And Pope Francis is talking about the formation that some of us, especially the clergy, have to have to take on some of these other responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But our responsibility and we get into it here in a minute, with baptism and confirmation as being members of the church, we are the church. Mm-hmm. If somebody criticizes the Catholic faith, they criticize you know, our, our beliefs. They're criticizing me and you and everyone mm-hmm. else who mm-hmm. believes that. Yeah. Not necessarily some member who has a different vocation. Yeah, Bob, as you're talking about uh, the church and we are the church, Yeah, any good ecclesiology is going to come out of a good Christology because... Any study of the church will flow out of a good study of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is first the body of Christ. And uh, as the blood and water flow from the side of Christ on the cross, and that blood and water signifies the sacramental life of the church, we take that in, and now we are conformed to the body of Christ, and in turn, we become uh, the church. (laughs) 
as the body of Christ, we become the church, um, conformed to the one body of Christ. And so, uh, yeah, we need to be uh, sensitive to how we are engaging one another as as you speak to it. Um, and as you were talking there too, Bob, it makes me think of that great truth that we are to never allow another person's weakness to dictate how we are called to love or another person's absence of faith to dictate our faith. Certainly another person's love and faith should encourage uh, more love and more faith, but we have to be careful for another person to determine our vocation. You know, this whole truth of allowing someone else to dictate our vocation based on their um, absence of something can be applied to uh, some of the four, uh, some of the aforementioned vocations. I mean, let's think about it here for a second. If you want to be a teacher and you came across a bad teacher, would that mean you don't want to be a teacher anymore? That ought to mean you even want to be a better teacher. So when you you know liken that to the faith, what does that mean? If you don't see someone living out their faith, don't allow that to dictate your faith. Let what you see inspire you to be a better version of who God is calling you to be, and that's really important. With that, Bob, let us go ahead and, and jump back into paragraph 102. In some cases, it is because lay persons have not been given the formation needed to take on important responsibilities. In others, it is because in their particular churches, room has not been made for them to speak and to act due to an excessive clericalism which keeps them away from decision-making. Even if many are now involved in the lay ministries, this involvement is not reflected in a greater penetration of Christian values in the social, political, and economic sectors. It often remains tied to tasks within the church without a real commitment to applying the gospel in the transformation of society. The formation of the laity and the evangelization of professional and intellectual life represent a significant pastoral challenge. You know, the thing that that really stands out to me here is, (laughs) that's another challenge. We feel like we are responding to God's call by being Eucharistic ministers, uh, by being, uh, you know, lectors, readers, uh, by being ushers. And we are, I'm sure, to a degree. Being involved in parish life is very important. But what he's saying is that is not enough. And when we are formed in the faith, what we come to understand is we need to go beyond the walls of our local parish and into the cities. I mean, that is what it's about. And our parishes in and of themselves need to set up ministries that are operating and moving towards uh, serving those who are most in need on every front within our local communities, within our cities, uh, in our downtowns, so on and so forth. He's challenging us here to say, okay, the phrase here, this involvement is not reflected in a greater penetration of Christian values in the social, political, and economic sectors. Get out there, is what he's saying. I think we've talked about this before, Bob. Get out there. Start making a difference. Yes, be involved as a lector, Eucharistic minister. But all of that is about what it points to me. What is the Mass? The Mass in the Latin Missio. To send forth. Forth, where's forth? Back home? The uh, hospitality across the street? Donuts and coffee? No. No, it's four blocks downtown where... We now have an increase of what last I checked, 200% in homeless. It just continues to increase by 200%. I don't know what that leaves us with a lot of homeless. A lot of opportunities to 
not only serve the poorest of the poor, but encounter Christ in the poor and allow Christ to minister to us. Now, this is the great secret that no one talks about. When we go to serve the poorest of the poor, when we receive Christ in the poverty of the Eucharist, what we discover is that when we go out there and share him now with the world, that same poverty ministers back to us in the homeless. Uh, This is what we need to be thinking about, Bob. And certainly, this is the challenge we need to embrace. And I will say, over the last few years, there are ministries, apostolates, networks, teams that are springing up everywhere and embracing this vocation, embracing this call. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's, it's wonderful to see you know, Bible studies. It's wonderful to see you know, different ministries that are taking place within the Catholic community that is helping that, that formation, allowing us to be able to feel comfortable about speaking to our faith. And that's something that years ago, um, Catholics didn't do that often. Mm-hmm. They go to Mass on Sunday and sure they would do, you know, be involved with their, their parish and uh, they would socialize um, within, the, you know, within their local community, their church community. But there wasn't this, it was almost like this, in, they were inhibited. People were inhibited. I know my parents were to mm. really talk openly about their Catholic faith with other people. Mm. And we're, we're gradually losing that. I mean, many of our Protestant brothers and sisters have, have shown us you know, the, you know the, the real benefit of being able to openly speak about Scripture, to openly speak about the Catechism, to talk about our faith. And it's, it's wonderful to see that you know, becoming more and more prevalent. And just not within our own parish community, but with, with the community at large. At large, exactly. I mean, that's what's so it important spreads beyond that. You know, Bob, as you were talking there, I, I was made to reflect upon uh, now St. John Paul the Great. We, we were talking about getting outside our, our parish borders. Well, well, how about John Paul II? Look at what he did. He, he defies the norm. You know, we talk about Pope Francis defying the norm. How about John Paul II? He shakes free from the walls of Vatican City, and he travels the world. I mean, he is known as the father figure to the new evangelization, just not because of what he said, but because of what he did, because of what he did. And what he did was enter into uh, that great culture of encounter that is the earmark of the new evangelization. And one by one, he was transforming lives. We have noted here on the past that as John Paul II went to the world, uh, the world went to him uh, at his funeral. There are historian buffs who have claimed that they don't know if they've ever seen a collection of patriarchs, uh, uh, kings, uh, monarchs, presidents, uh, prime ministers, uh, and, and all religious leaders uh, descend on, on one man's funeral like that of, of then John Paul II, of course, today, St. John Paul the Great. You know, Bob, I'm looking up at the clock, and, and we're out of time, and we, we barely got out of paragraph 102, but that's okay. I, I think we're, we're really hitting what we need to hit here. And uh, next week, we're, we're going to have the opportunity to reflect upon some of Pope Francis's words on the role of women in the church. So uh, I look forward to that. All right, let us close in a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.